And welcome back, folks. It's your host, Jeff Shugarts, and this is the Stash It or Pass It podcast, your weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis, the traffic report, and the anything goes culture report. Now, I am so happy to be back in your ears and on your mind. Did you miss me last week? Because I missed you. And we have an incredible episode prepared for everybody. We have a special guest here on the traffic report hearing from Eben Sumner. Now, Eben is an incredible advocate, pioneer, entrepreneur, and cultivator in the cannabis industry. He is the founder and CEO of 1780 Maine, a craft cannabis cultivation and he is also the founder and ceo of casco bay hemp products and he is also the founder of the main growers alliance and he's also working on some incredible projects called seed to health he educates us on a variety of topics within the industry in the advocacy legislation lobbying we hit them all, folks, and it is an incredible discussion. And on the weather report, I'm sitting here with a fine glass of wine, but it actually is a glass of blood that is just bleeding straight out of my portfolio. But I'll tell you what I'm doing, folks. You already know I'm buying that dip. I'm accumulating. I am getting ready. I'm packing my bags. The bear market may have commenced, but who knows? I'm excited. I'm learning more. This is a perfect opportunity to dive in. And on the culture report, we are going to do a quick reading and give thanks and grace. We are getting ready for a huge 2022. I never got to wish everybody a happy new year, and I can't tell you how excited I am about this new year. It is going to be the greatest year of our lives, ladies and gentlemen, and you already know what time it is. Buckle up and get ready. Stash it. And we're back, folks, sitting here with our special guest this week on The Traffic Report. His name is Eben Sumner. He's the founder and CEO of 1780 Maine, a craft cannabis company. Also, Casco Bay Hemp Products, USA-grown hemp, all derived here in the homeland. And he is also the founder of the Maine Growers Alliance. You know, He is doing so much for the industry on multiple levels. We are so excited to have him here today to pick his brain a bit and to learn from everything that he's been doing. But without further ado, I will let him introduce himself. But thank you so much for being here today, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to come in and talk to you. It's been, uh, it's been interesting uh, following your shows and, and uh, you know, listening to your, your advice on the Bitcoin side. I definitely uh, probably need to pay more attention to that. Um, but uh, it's been nice to hear some of your updates as well, your guests on, uh, on the political realm. Um, as you said, I started with uh, medical cannabis here in Maine, uh, 1780. Uh, we're called caregivers here. Okay. Um, that's what the state has referenced us. We've had a medical program since 1999, which is, which is pretty awesome. Um, and then we went adult use uh, recreational in 2016 uh, via referendum. Um, so we're, we're pretty, uh, we're pretty experienced as a state when it, when it comes to medical cannabis, um, 99s, I think we were number three in the country, um, uh, the third medical program. And then our history goes back, you know, Humboldt days, um, and, and beyond. Uh, so we've got quite a, uh, quite a, a cool, uh, culture up here, um, whether it's on the product side or, it's on the, 
legislative side. It's, it's very interesting. Um, and then from after 1780, I, I got in, got into that in, uh, 2015. Um, and then all of a sudden you started hearing buzzwords, CBD, you know, and at that point I wasn't quite sure what that was. Um, and then after doing some further research realized that, you know, the cannabis plant is just massive, massive potential THC being one of the many cannabinoids. Um, so from that knowledge and information, uh, Casco Bay hemp was formed. Um, and with that, we're now not just limited to, you know, patients in our state, we could, as you know, uh, service the, the nation. Um, and since then, we're, we're now contract manufacturing and exporting to different countries uh, where, where it's legal. So it's been pretty awesome from my perspective, being able to come from a, uh, a state, um, state size economy, um, servicing these patients to opening up the entire plant and being able to service uh, globally. Um, so uh, as if I wasn't busy enough with that, um, I saw the need uh, to uh, co-found Maine Growers Alliance. And what that is, is basically a group of cultivators, uh, caregivers here in Maine um, in the medical program. And we're, we kind of started to see uh, as the multi-state operators began, you know, finding more ground, finding more money um, and getting to play in the market, um, we kind of started to see regulation come with the large lobbies. Right. Um, and a lot of that uh, was going to do damage to our uh, state economy, like we've seen in other states across the country, um, to at least in the medical program. Um, so we kind of got that group together to try to maintain a voice from the actual industry stakeholder side and try to block legislation that would hurt our program. And of course, on the offensive side, pass good quality legislation that would bolster the program. Uh, so since that, um, that's happened, we were able to do some pretty big things this past summer here in the state. And we have some, some interesting bills uh, lined up this fall uh, or this spring, I should say. Yeah, I'm still wrapped around the holidays, I guess. <laughs> no, I hear you. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been really great, um, to dig in, um, on all fronts on the medical side, the hemp side, and now legislation. Um, and it's, it's pretty much all, it's what my life consists of. Um, but it's great. You know, it's, it's such a cool industry emerging out of prohibition. Right. I mean, that's, you can't really pinpoint anything else in our lifetimes, uh, like that. And right. it's just, something different to navigate. And, uh, there's a variety of, of challenges and, um, some days you're banging your head against the wall and then some days you get some victories. Um, uh, but it's all, all been a very good experience. Absolutely, man. And that's the, uh, that's the thing, right? It's a process, it's a grind, but you know, it's a beautiful struggle. And, uh, like you were saying too, you know, coming out of uh, prohibition, you know, here in the United States, I mean, you're a pioneer and people don't necessarily, you know, I don't think see it like that yet, or, you know, they haven't like heard it enough yet. Cause you know, what this industry, you know, offers from so many different levels. And I loved how you just broke it down and said, opening up the plant and then, you know, getting into the CBD market and even like hemp, 
you know, beyond consumption too. like the things that this can do with, you know, hemp concrete, hemp plastic. I mean, there's so many use cases in the future, you know, how hemp is going to affect in um, different industries, energy, so many different things like that. But, you know, as I just called you a pioneer, you know, I want to uh, lean in first to the uh, 1780 Maine. Now, uh, it's pretty cool, though. My brother is actually about to uh, go to uh, play football up in Rhode Island. And I was actually just talking about, man, I've always wanted to drive, you know, through through Maine and whatnot, through Vermont, like all those little areas, because, you know, everything I've seen, how beautiful it is and how, you know, untouched some of those areas are, too. So this is what really leads me into what you're saying, you know, going back to, you know, the days of, uh, of America, like pre-revolutionary war. And when I saw, you know, the um, 1780, you know, where did that where did that name come from? Because I know that was right. Is that right when Maine became a state, like officially, like after uh, the revolution or what does that come from? Yeah, they, well, so Maine was a state uh, much later. It was actually part of Massachusetts for for a, quite a long time, and um, and I don't want to get misquoted. I, I it's late eighteen hundreds around there, right. um, but uh, seventeen eighty, uh, the business name actually came from uh, the first cultivation site uh, that we okay, had. Cool. Um, I grew up in a farmhouse that was circa seventeen eighty. Um, and that's where we started our, our cultivation. So it just seemed fitting. And, you know, I, I just like that historical sense as well, because it's kind of bolstered by education, yep. um, which is super important. Um, and, and again, like you were talking about with um, hemp being used in, a, you know, diverse ways. I mean, hemp was the largest GDP crop um, in America in the late 1800s before right you know, before the, the ban. So, um, yeah, I mean, if it'd be great, if we could get there again, you see, right. I would cool stuff. I would love to pay my taxes in hemp like they got to back then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, just wanted to ask that cause you know, I'm looking at your brand and I love the brand. I mean, it has like that 1776 vibe, you know, just how it is on the website and stuff. And, you know, we will, uh, absolutely. We'll have links to all this stuff in the show notes, everyone listening, check it out. You know, I'll have some posts up on our Instagram too, at stash or pass it. And, uh, you know, you can find, um, Eben's, uh, company 1780 Maine, Um, and that is M A I N E like the state, um, on Instagram as well. But, uh, you know, to, uh, just talk about 1780 a little bit more now, uh, you know, I understand it. So on the website, craft cannabis, organic, vegan, and health, and uh, just wanted to hear a little bit more about that because, you know, obviously you have some beautiful flower on there. And, uh, you know, I know this, you know, definitely um, works a little bit with uh, the main Growers Alliance, I'm sure, too, you know, as being, you know, the caregivers and the cultivators, as you were talking about. And uh, there being really more of a love and a care, you know, for crafting that flower and, you know, providing it to patients because, uh, you know, I think uh, I do agree with you as far as, um, you know, the different levels to these businesses and then, you know, really educating people around that because, you know, I, I talk about it on the show sometimes too. It's like, if we don't protect, um, you know, really the artists in this, or if we don't protect, you know, the, uh, the craftsmanship of this too, it's like, are you, do you really want Amazon like droning you like $5 eights or going to like a McDonald's a weed? I mean, I don't, but I mean, uh, I'm sure there's definitely gonna be a market out there for people to do, but, uh, just like anything, I mean, I like fine wine. I like, you know, good whiskey. I mean, it's going to be the same thing in terms of, you know, cannabis in the future, but, you know, same thing, too, when um, when you look at when you're using it as a medicine in different use cases, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get it from, you know, a true caregiver who in that sense is t- is essentially like a doctor 
who is, you know, creating this for you and to uh, provide care to you. So just would love to hear, you know, a little bit about that and, you know, how that works with uh, the main growers Alliance as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a really good, really good statement, Jeff. Um, the, there are really two massively different markets. You've got the, you know, the consumer, the weekend warrior, um, the guy who wants to smoke the joint, watch a movie, you know, whatever, go out, go to the beach with friends. And then you do have the other consumer or patient, which is, you know, my, my child has epilepsy and needs to have a regimen of ABCD, Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I have high anxiety. And instead of taking these pharmaceuticals, I want to manage, um, my anxiety on this regimen. So really the difference is if you can picture walking into a recreational or adult use store and saying, Hey, I need a capsule with, you know, uh, 20%, uh, THC, 10% CBD, 5% CBN, you know, 3% CBG, they're going to look at you and say, uh, no, <laughs> you right. know, like that's not what we do. We've, we're, we've got this pack of joints for you. We'll sell you that instead. Right. So that's really the big division, I think, and why it's very important to keep uh, both of these markets healthy um, because you can go to a caregiver or certain care caregivers. Um, and I think mar- uh, marketing pressures will kind of uh, iron those out of who to go to, who's reputable. Um, just let the market decide really. Right. Um, but you can go to them and say, look, I, I need this. And then maybe in two weeks you say, you know what, let's knock back some THC because I'm not functioning during the day as well as I need to be. And let's add, you know, offset that with more CBD or CBG, whatever. So there's very different marketplaces in that aspect. And, and they're both extremely important. I mean, even some say, and I agree that uh, on the weekend warriors are, you know, maybe they are actually you know, self-medicating for something, you know, they might not be quite as educated on how to um, titrate the medicine or whatever, but at least it's a start and it's working for them. Um, They might not have to go deeper into it. They could stick with their, their joint and be totally happy and fine. That's awesome. But I think we definitely need that full spectrum of being able to go to a, a, a medical setting versus going to an adult recreational setting. Absolutely. And then, you know, we can get into this more too, because, you know, it's my understanding, you know, how you have, uh, you know, lobbied on a state level for different things like this that we were talking about as well, like against the MSOs or making sure certain things were getting passed more in like the craftsmanship and, uh, you know, the medical sense in that favor. But, uh, you know, just listen to you talk about that a little bit. You know, it made me think of, you know, definitely some legislation that we've talked about on here. And one of those you know, as being our, um, you know, our soldiers and our veterans that do come home. Now, I do understand that, um, you know, you, you all are a, um, you know, you donate to, you know, different causes. And, uh, you know, one of those I know is uh, tied to uh, veterans, which you know, I think that's incredible and uh, love to see it. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's something I'm definitely been um, passionate about. I've probably gotten a little fired up. Uh, and again, thanks for listening to the show. Um, I know you've probably heard me a little bit, but, you know, when you talk about our, uh, our veterans and whatnot, like if they don't want to, you know, medicate with, uh, you know, with pharmaceutical drugs, with antidepressants, with anti-anxiety medicines, I mean, a variety of different things. I mean, even for pain management, whatever you want to look at. And then if they are in a legal state and using cannabis, you know, going a different route, like doing what works for them, especially like a younger generation too, where it is a lot more common. And then they're, they may fail a drug test and then they're going to lose their VA benefits. And it's just like, 
you know, like when we had Jason Spadafora on here, he was like, yeah, go test Congress right now. And 30% are going to fail drug tests. So, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I think uh, listening to you talk about this stuff, you know, it, it makes me feel better, but also it's uh, it's all that education piece. Cause you know, I don't think, you know, obviously I know like people don't know, like, you know, how deep some of this stuff goes whenever you, you know, really, like you were saying, like open up the plant and uh, like you just brought up CBD, CB, uh, CBN, CBG, like a lot of people listening to this show probably don't even you know necessarily know what those are. But um, but yeah, so just, uh, you know, love to hear about, you know, I know, um, you know, one of the things is uh, you can really help uh, tell some of our viewers too, like how to get involved on a local level. But, uh, you know, also want to hear some of that and then just, you know, what it's been like, uh, you know, on that side of the lobbying, because, you know, obviously you're going up against, uh, you know, you're going up against a, a big, a lot of money. I mean, that's pharmaceuticals. Obviously, that's just that's about, uh, you know, almost what runs the country these days. It's, uh, you know, basically like the, uh, you know, the old industrial war complex. And I got the pharmaceutical uh, complex. But, uh, you know, just love to hear a little bit about that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's it's been it's been quite an experience because um, I'd never really even was interested in this before, um, but until until I saw what was happening um, and I said okay I just you know I can't sleep at night let alone not get involved. Right. So, um, but as far as you know, it's a lot of time and it's a lot of effort and it can be thankless, um, but right. but it's 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 a necessity. You know, there's, if nobody's going to speak for your industry, then you're just going to get steamrolled by whatever big, you know, conglomerate or is going to come through. I mean, that's just how, how economics work. So you've, you've got to get out there. Um, If I could tell people, it would be try to find any kind of um, coalition or alliance, anything cannabis related in your state that's already existing. And then, at a minimum support them, uh, with donations. I mean, that's unfortunately, that's how our, our government works is, you know, lobbying campaign donations, um, to get heard. And that's just the way it works. So we have to play the game. Um, so at a minimum donate, um, if you can do more then then absolutely try to become involved, um, uh, at least enough to, get on a list of when to, um, to write to your local representative and say, Hey, I support this, or I don't support this. Um, reps definitely listen to you, especially at a state level. Um, as in my state, especially we, we have a, um, a civilian led, um, Congress. So it's, you can actually talk to people without being a high paid lobbyist. Uh, it's, it's quite, quite nice but literally roaming the halls at the Capitol and trying to learn who your rep is and talk to people, email, call and donate, um, at a minimum. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, you know, one of my friends here, I'm in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, his name is, uh, Rabi Majid. And, um, he actually has been, you know, on the uh, cannabis reform side with a brand that he created called stupid fruit. But, uh, I mean, he's done lots of stuff as far as getting, you know, signatures and getting out and, uh, you know, trying to get some stuff changed since about 2011. But, uh, you know, we also did a little bit of that uh, in Columbus, Ohio, too. But interestingly enough, there was actually a time where there was this a big uh, lobbyist group that was trying to get it legalized. But we there actually ended up being like a counter um, to it. And I was supporting the counter to it because what they were doing was essentially making it a monopoly by legalizing it. And it was the same group of people that like, 
you know, brought uh, casinos to Columbus and they were going to like create this huge monopoly, um, you know, around it. So, you know, definitely something for people out there too. you know, do your homework a little bit too, whenever uh, there is, you know, a movement or something being lobbied like that, because, you know, uh, some very high powered uh, machines, they can be um, as far as the marketing and how they're going to present it. Because, you know, for example, you know, I know when they were get when they were out on the streets getting signatures, I mean, they were paying people like $20 an hour to do this. I mean, so it was like, you know, after Ohio State games, 100,000 people walking around drinking and, oh, yeah, I love smoking weed. Let me sign that. Like, and it's just like, no, no. So, you know, definitely, uh, you know, do your homework a little bit, too, um, when doing that. But, um, but yeah, just to go back to, uh, you know, the flower itself, um, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, Casco Bay hemp products. Now, you know, obviously, you know, you uh, shared with us a little bit there at the beginning, you know, 1780 Maine, and then really kind of, you know, from there, open up the plant more. And that was, uh, you know, you're able to, you know, provide, uh, you know, provide CBD products now internationally as well. So I'd love to hear that process, um, you know, how that came about and what it's been like dealing internationally, because that is uh, definitely exciting to hear. I mean, we talk about the uh, LPs up in Canada a bit and all the money they're losing. So, I mean, maybe they're uh, buying some of your hemp. So, (laughs) no, but I would love to hear more about it. Yeah, uh, it's it's been it's been very interesting. Uh, we we started um, just doing like small things like tinctures um, and easy products like that, uh, and have since rounded out to I think we have about forty different products, um, and anything from um, like bath bombs to transdermal patches. Um, so quite a quite an array of pretty interesting uh, vehicles to, to ingest or, um, you know, inhale or, or anything to get your cannabinoids. Um, and then just kind of through, I guess, organic growth, um, we started to be able, or started actually getting contacted by companies across the U S and across globally. I hadn't even thought that was an opportunity. Um, but as we, you know, created these partnerships with different countries, and you start to learn their compliance and how export uh, processes work. And then not only that, but you're trying to export um, cannabis, which is extremely confusing for most people. Um, But then when you add a risk factor there, uh, like for instance, like oil trying to leave a port to go to Europe, um, people tend to, when risk is in, they tend to say no immediately. Um, and then, so there's with certain countries, I deal with this a lot. Um, but thankfully having the experience of speaking with my regulators, um, I've been able to get them involved. I've got, um, my Congress, my local Congress and, um, Senate involved. Uh, I've got international trade groups involved because this is such a brand new thing, um, to export. It's very I'd say we're definitely pioneering here um, and I'm working with all these different trade groups and trying to provide the documents they need and help kind of hold their hand through the process as well and acting as the guinea pig. But um, it's so under that, I've learned a lot, but I've also had more stress than I need. Um, (laughs) But thankfully I'm surrounded by cannabis. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a very pioneering, um, very interesting and, you know, it's, it's cool to see 
like who's into it, you know, who's like, yeah, okay. I believe in this plant. I believe in botanicals. Um, it's, I understand that it's legal, <laughs> you know, right. it's laws have passed already. It's legal. And I want to help, um, versus the people immediately, you know, they're, they're just like looking at you like a criminal from reefer madness days. <laughs> right. Um, so that dichotomy is massive, massive in the, in this industry, um, all the way up through, uh, export. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, some days are good. Some days not so good, but, um, I, I compare it to, I mean, I don't think I could be selling soap, you know, <laughs> this, <laughs> I think right. I would fall asleep on the job if, if I didn't have enough, enough challenges there. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, that's what it's all about too. I mean, I love, uh, you know, how you, uh, talked about or positioned it, how it started to grow, you know, organically. And obviously, you know, as a crafts, uh, a craft cannabis uh, cultivator, I mean, it, it's going to be organic, but I mean, just growing, you know, the business organically. And then you just kept, you know, more and more you just kept coming on, coming on. You started learning more, making more partnerships. And then, you know, that may have not have been, you know, the plan day one, but it's like, as it comes at you and then you just keep doing your daily processes, you know, attacking different things, different, um, you know, different goals and whatnot. And then you now here you are, I mean, started on a farm in Maine and now you're really pioneering maybe one day when cannabis is legal, essentially once it's legal in the United States, I mean, it's going to become more and more legal across, you know, the world. And you're going to know, you know, how this works, you know, cause it's the same way. It's like a lot of people that are getting into hemp. I feel like on, um, on a larger scale, they're getting ready for, uh, you know, na national, um, cannabis, you know, legalization, uh, to a degree, uh, just with all the right things in place, the logistics and things of that nature. But uh, so really cool to hear. I mean, on an international level, um, what are some of the, uh, if you're, I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm honestly why you wouldn't be allowed. What are some of the countries that, um, you know, that you're working with? And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear that and just see, uh, I don't know, like, like, who do you talk to over there? I mean, are you talking to businesses? You ever talk to like different leadership or how does that all work? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're pretty active in the UK. Um, we are, um, we've been at this for a while. So we've gone down the road um, with um, Oceania, with, with New Zealand and Australia. Um, unfortunately, their, uh, their regulations locked it up so tight that I, it's probably a decade before it's, it's available outside of having, having a pharmacy um, sell it to you. So, um, but from there, we moved on to Asia. So Thailand, um, Japan, um, France uh, just opened up today. Actually, their regulations uh, just opened up their market, and they're the second largest uh, market in the in the EU. Um, so we're we're targeting uh, over there right now. Um, but but mostly it's I'm speaking with companies uh, directly. Um, I don't have any distribution channels. Um, it's it's very direct business to business. And yeah, it's as far as um, growing and how to attract is uh, is another big challenge for our entire industry, since we don't have access to, you know, Google uh, ads, we don't have access right. to Instagram, Facebook ads. So basically, the you know the majority of how people market today, we we can't access. Um, so I think when that changes, that's going to be a huge game changer for for the entire industry. Um, right now it's, it's hard to get a retail product out to people nationally because there's really no way outside of word of mouth or print media or banners that's aren't effective. Um, so, so that's, 
you know, you kind of have to have a good product, good customer service and, um, be offering, you know, offering, uh, something that's going to not just give people relief, but I think education too, and, you know, be there to answer their questions and, and, um, and provide them a good product. I mean, that's really how it's kind of like looking back, maybe how, how I would assume businesses were run a hundred years ago, you know, or at least pre-internet days, you know, it was what newspapers and mail mailers. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, so yeah, it's, it, it's been, been interesting of trying to get in contact or, or at least get in front of people. Um, and I'm very much, very much interested in looking forward to the days where we can operate like a normal business online. Absolutely. And so, you know, just to lean into that a bit, I mean, does that, in, uh, does that entail like some of like the 280E, um, you know, legislation and whatnot? Yeah, I'd love to hear you know, your opinion about that. Now, we've talked about this on the show. Actually, last week we had or two weeks ago, had Chris Piazza. He's um, he uh, uh, Canon Devices, you know, a founder of that, you know, so different glass products and whatnot. And it was interesting. I learned from him, um, you know, they're a tier two company. So, you know, they're not necessarily, uh, you know, it's not all the same kinds of regulations, but, you know, would love to hear your opinions about that. Cause, uh, you know, we've talked about this even with Jason uh, Spadafore in the past as well, but, you know, with 280E, essentially, you know, companies like yourself, I mean, you're not getting those tax write-offs um, for, you know, uh, you know, business expenses. I mean, doing different things of that nature. And now hearing this from you too, I wasn't even necessarily completely aware of that, like how you're not allowed to market in the same way or, you know, do any kinds of marketing research or reach outs and anything like that. And, uh, you know, it just pisses you off. I mean, really hearing about it, but, uh, cause obviously, I mean, you look at, uh, growing up in sports illustrated, the way like cigarettes were marketed to you, like in sports yeah. illustrated, like, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. but, yeah. uh, but yeah, man, I mean, cause, uh, you know, with two eighty E, you know, we've talked about this too. Um, like we're about to talk about more, but you know, you're essentially paying almost sometimes 60, 70% in taxes. Cause you don't actually have, you know, those, those, those tax write-offs that everybody else enjoys. I mean, and even just in that, I mean, your business is going to increase 30%, you know, on a lot of levels. And I mean, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Cause then, you know, with other legislation that's coming down the pipe, I mean, they want to add on even more taxes and you're like, well, who are you really trying to support here? Right. I mean, are you trying to, you know, literally squeeze out like, you know, people, you know, on the ground, like your, your, your small town, you know, your small, you know, mom and pop type shops, you know, people like yourself, people coming from seed to sale, seed to the table, or like, do you really just want it to be, you know, Amazon, you know, cannabis of the United States or whatever. So we'd love to hear what you have to say about uh 280. Yeah. So you, you've hit the nail on the head, Jeff. It's, it's really, um, again, I'll, I'll reference, you know, pro um, emerging market from prohibition. It's like, everybody says no, no, no. And then while they're saying no, 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 they're also going, okay, how do we tax this, that, and the other thing? And then, and then once that is ready, then it's like, okay, now it's time to start discussing the regulation. So yeah, it's tough. It's very tough. We can't, we can't um, write off expenses like normal business. Um, And then like uh, some of the new bills coming through from um, Schumer and Booker, I think it's the, what is it, the uh, CO, uh, uh, AOCA or, or? Well, because they have the uh, the CARE Act, um, you know, that's yes. one of them. And it's just, you know, they're packing everything into one bill. I mean, it's essentially another 25% federal tax. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they literally pulled safe banking, you know, out of the NDAA that just, 
you know, got passed. And this is like a bipartisan, you know, issue. Like we're over 90% of the United States of America is, you know, supportive of some kind of legalization on or decriminalization, you know, from a medical perspective or from like a just get out of our way. This is, you know, leave it to the states, leave it to recreation, you know, let people figure out what they want to do with it. And, um, you know, so obviously where I stand with it is like, I think, you know, everybody should be allowed to, you know, if they want to grow a plant at their house, you know, crack, just like you can make some craft beer at your house. You can, you know, right now I'm making craft hot sauce at my house, but at the same time too, it's like, I really, you know, value what you do as far as being like a caregiver and like the ways they've, they've been running it in Detroit for a long time. I have some friends up in Detroit who, you know, moved out of the traditional market into caregivers. And now, you know, with the cannabis cup and more, more culture going on up there, you know, it's becoming, you know, organically growing more and more. And then these are really the people that like yourself included that have been doing these things for the last 10 years. And then even some OGs, even back beyond that, when you look at 20, 30 years or people that went and sat in jail for a little bit and then came back and just kept going at it. I mean, those are the people, this is why we are where we are. And, you know, none of this new legislation really supports them at all. But then it gets like framed in a way that like, if you don't support them, then like you're, you're supporting big business or like you're some like crazy capitalist or something. I'm just like, come on, man, like support, like support your roots. And if you're going to support yeah. your roots, then I don't know if you're supporting the CARE Act. So anyway, sorry yeah. to ramble there a little bit. No, no. I mean, you're, I mean, we're, we're screaming at the choir, right? Um, right. right. It's, <laughs> It's, it's so true. I mean, it, all this legislation gets so convoluted that it's like, I, you know, yeah, I want to support cannabis and I want to support the industry, but where, you know, and that goes back to, to what you're saying, really, you got to do some, some diligence, do your research and find out really what this, this regulation means and learn what the opposition is and why, because yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at uh, like safe banking, I haven't read it word for word, but that, I mean, it's passed Congress five times. It's been stalled at the Senate for what, three years now. Right. Um, and that's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a function bill, you know, it allows, it allows us as an industry to access, you know, loans, it allows us to protect our, our investments, um, you know, put money in the bank, um, okay, have right. access. I mean, it's ridiculous that this is, is just stalling and stalling. And now, um, you know, Senator Booker is saying that it's because they want to incorporate the social justice piece, um, which which I absolutely 100% agree with. And there is a place for that. However, if you have a bill that has passed five times, it doesn't need to be an omnibus bill. You know, it can right. just be that silver bullet for safe banking. Um, and then, you know, now you've got the more act um, kind of coming out of that and you've got yeah. the social equity piece in there, but now, and, and I haven't read this word for word either yet, but from what I'm reading about it is that they're trying to, or the more act would, would take money from the companies that are already in existence to um, basically tax those companies to put that money towards the social equity piece. And I just don't see how that's fair. Um right. I mean, you've got companies in this industry struggling every different way. And, um, you know, whether it's marketing, whether it's banking, it's, you know, whether it's um, uh, like narrative, a negative narrative in the state or town or, or municipality disagreements or whatever, it's literally a wall in every direction or it can be. And then to now take this federal piece and say, hey, we're going to now we're going to tax you some more to pay for 
the wrongdoings that our government right. has done for the past hundred years. It's like, sure, if I made that decision to block everybody in my state and I'm the only one that's allowed to operate, yeah, I deserve to be punished for that. But that's not the case. You know, it's right. it's been our regulators over over the past hundred years. So I don't think it needs to come back at least uh, back to the drawing board for that social equity piece, not be an omnibus bill, just be a, you know, let's tackle finances and let's do that first. And then let's move on. Because Absolutely. as you see, most omnibus bills get, you know, trashed because there's a piece that somebody doesn't like. And, you know, you start trying to please everybody at the same time, which is impossible, especially in politics. <laughs> right. Um, so, so yeah, it's, um, it's interesting to see all these fights kind of happen in each individual state. And then knowing that we're going to have this looming battle federally, and it's just ticking up now. So it, it should be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, and it really, what it comes down to is uh, overburdensome regulation always leads to the illicit market growing. I right. mean, just the way it is, look at California. You know, they, they're such overburdensome um, uh, regulations that people are like, well, I'm not going to, why would I leave my happiness now? You know, right. um, I'm going to, I'm going to just stay in my, in my gray or black market and keep doing what I've been doing for 20, 30 years. And like, you really need to put a carrot in front of those people to get into the regulated market. And they actually did the opposite. And Gavin Newsom just gave a hundred million dollars to, to help the businesses come compliant. And then three weeks later, they up the tax again. So right. it's like, what's going on? <laughs> exactly, man. It's a uh, just that revolving door of just like bullshit. Honestly, man, it drives me crazy because then, you know, just the way it will get framed, the way they tell the story, and then they almost make, you know, the people and the OGs or the, the business operators look like they're the evil ones for not wanting to, like you're saying, like, foot the bill for what our government does or what our government has been doing. I mean, if you look at California, I mean, how many people they put in jail, like over the last, I mean, four cannabis and they're still doing like right now. I mean, even last year there was a cannabis arrest every 90 seconds. I mean, it's like, come on. I mean, and, and in California, I mean, just the way um, I think it's on the eight and the six and stuff, but the way they search cars that are crossing state lines and whatnot for other, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why, um, but you know, I don't think a lot of people know about that. And that's like, those are federal searches. Like when you're crossing different state lines from Arizona to California and they're pulling people and arresting people all the time for cannabis who have, you know, medical cards who are legally, um, you know, carrying or whatever. And even if they smell like it, but yeah, I mean that, that stuff, uh, it drives me crazy. I mean, and what you were just saying too, uh, Gavin Newsom literally gave them a hundred million dollars to become compliant because of the laws that they enacted, but uh, again, I mean, laws that do nothing to incentivize people to come out of the traditional market or the black market and uh, participate legally. And then those that's going to be some of your best cannabis, too, because then on top of that, you're seeing like this push. It's probably really, you know, pro maybe it's some MSOs doing it. You know, I definitely think some pharmaceuticals are involved in it, but they'll push these different, you know, mar like like news articles and whatnot talking about like, you know, fentanyl being in cannabis or like, you know, if you're buying this from, you know such and such. And it's not from like, you know, some huge MSO then like, Oh, who knows if you can trust it? Is it lab certified test? I'm like, come on, man. I mean, and then that's just, that's just going to scare more people into like, just, you know, following, you know, the status quo, listening to whatever, you know, gets, you know, told to them from their TV and whatnot versus like, you know, just 
doing a little bit of research, just looking into things. I mean, especially like you're saying too, on a local level, but um, you know, we, we definitely, uh, it's good to talk about this stuff. Good to, you know, obviously we talk about it a lot. Sometimes it gets repetitive, but that's what it is, man. I mean, you got to keep talking about it and get that word out, get the message out. But, um, but yeah, so just to, uh, to uh, move on a little bit here and just to talk a little bit about other things that, you know, you've been working towards, you know, I wanted to ask you about seed to health because it sounded really cool. It was very interesting, you know, really working towards to, you know, integrating cannabis into healthcare, but, you know, while also you're still trying to, you know, strengthen the caregiver industry in Maine, but uh, would love to hear about that. Cause you know, my, uh, myself, I definitely feel like, you know, this is something that in, in our future, the future that, you know, people like me and you, and I think, you know, our generation, and as you see, like 90% of America, you know, they look at it, um, you know, with medical use purposes. Now, why wouldn't that be, you know, integrated into legitimate uh, healthcare? And then you want to talk about why, why prescription drugs are so expensive. Everyone gets pissed off about that. I'm like, yeah, introduce cannabis to the healthcare industry and watch how fast those drug prices go down because of competition. But I mean, you can only do that without putting these crazy regulations and taxes on it too now. So, but anyways, we'd love to, uh, you know, hear about uh, Seed to Health and, uh, you know, what you're doing on that front. Yeah. So um, just to, to answer the question, I, I think really what the issue is, is the FDA. Um, so the FDA does these, they typically do, you know, pharmaceutical clinical trials um, and cr- clinical research trials, CRTs. And you can't really do that with cannabis because, I mean, if, if you take a, a pharmaceutical here, like say, um, like, let's say Tylenol, um, that Tylenol is easily replicated, right? Cause it's, it's made in a lab. It's got whatever those ingredients are. And then the carrier and it's cr- pushed, pressed into a pill and every single pill is exactly the same. Right. So we can't do that with cannabis because you've got this plant, you've got this like biomechanic plant that has, you know, all these terpenes, cannabinoids, you know, flavonoids, fats, waxes, lipids, whatever. And then over here in this hand, you have the human, which is like the most biomechanical thing out there. Right. So you've got with, I mean, variables like the, you know, the ECS is, is so variable. Like one day, maybe if you had a cup of coffee extra that day, that could totally offset your ECS. And then your uh, cannabinoids are going to work differently. You know, maybe you're, you've gotten a fight with your significant other and that's going to offset your ECS. So it's so variable and you've got this plant and you've got the human and you're, how do you, with all those variables on both sides, how do you show efficacy, you know? So what we're trying to do with seed to health is kind of tease out how to qualify and quantify the plant and its biomechanics, and then how to qualify and quantify the human. Um, and then create a system where the farmer cultivator can put in, uh, you know, inputs into a database of, you know, what cultivars they're growing, um, how it's testing, how their processes of growing, you know, like to a point where some people are protecting their IP, but at least we can get a, a good broad over overview of how their cultivation process works. And then from there, it goes to the manufacturing process, whether it stays um, a, a smokable flower, or it goes to an extract distillate on and on. And then from there, does that go into a vape? Does that go into um, an edible? Does it go into a topical? Um, and then all the way through to the patient's experience. So it would be something in the form of, um, 
like maybe a, an app on their phone that says, you know, what was your daily use today? How did it make you feel? Blah, blah, blah. So that's a very nutshell overview. Um, but that's basically what Seed to Health is trying to solve for is to, to show after building this database here and this database here is to show that efficacy, how it connects. So now you have, um, let's fast forward five years, you have this big database built with all this information that researchers can now look at and they can make their hypotheses and then test it against the data, the real world data. Um, and then um, that can be an offset for, for the FDA's um, you know, clinical research trials. Um, so really there's no answer from the FDA perspective of how to test for efficacy. And then on the regulator side from the state level, they're not really interested in efficacy because their business is compliance. Right. So that's all they're focused on. So really we don't have a way developed yet to actually quantify and qualify this, this efficacy. So that's where seed to health came in. Um, it's super interesting. I mean, we, we get together, there's a group of us, it's all, um, you know, we're all nonprofit or we're, you know, we're putting our time and, and effort in. Um, but it's great to get with this round table of people and hear about, okay, yeah. So one of our, um, one of our teammates had three of his patients come to him, uh, with clear PET scans. So no cancer after two months of him treating, wow. he had three people in one week. So it's those kind of things that we're like, okay, yeah, this is why we're here. This is why we're doing this. And we're going to keep working hard so we can show that cancer patient that maybe has gastric cancer and has stage four and has been given a month to live. Right. And they're saying, okay, I'm done with pharmaceuticals. It's not working. Chemotherapy, not working. I'm going to try cannabis. And they go, where do I start? So now we can say, well, Hey, this is, um, this is the kind of person you are. This is your blood type. This is right. your whatever. So the database is showing that 80% of people with your, you know, majority of your, your human makeup um, and this type of cancer is affected, you know, highly by this type of cultivar or this type of, you know, uh, COA that says these percentages. So we're trying to, to do that, to bring that out. And that's, it's not, it's not happening anywhere in the world that as far as we know, we've been at this for a few years. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that will help bolster plants um, and, and not just cannabis. I mean, cannabis is the catalyst here, but I right. mean, you're now we're seeing psilocybin come out um, strong. We're seeing MDMA and ketamine, all these things that this is a system that we can test for. We can test efficacy um, that could be into you know, lion's mane, it could be cordyceps, like where, wherever you want to go. Um, it could be basil, you know, right. how, like, it's, it's just a way to test plant efficacy or at least show the efficacy or inefficacy. Absolutely, man. I got chills listening to you break that down. <laughs> I mean, that is, uh, that's incredible. I mean, um, and for everyone listening that seed to health, and that is the number two, uh, I'm definitely going to, uh, look more into that, man, see how I can support it. Um, cause that's what it's all about right there. I mean, you know, building out that database, I mean, that's going to provide so much, um, you know, for so many people. I mean, cause so if, if I'm like supporting it right now though, I mean, I couldn't necessarily, 
you know, log my information, I have to be getting it like from, you know, a specific caregiver, you know, who's very, you know, in tune with, you know, that strain, how they, you know, how they cultivate it and things like that. Is that how I'm hearing that right? Yeah, I think um, as of, as we're building out the the actual processes, um, it's kind of, it's got to happen at the same time. Um, I think there's more uh, consumers, more patients willing to share their experience now than we actually have cultivators that not that they're willing, but actually have time to right. input this kind of information. Um, so, I, you know, as it, as this expands and grows, um, it's, we're going to try to hit it from, from both sides. Um, we've already got a lot of interest um, really right now. It's, it's um, finishing shaping the actual systems. Like we've, I'd say we're 80% done with the ideology. Um, it's a, it's a very, um, I'd, I'd say it, it's, it grows and, and, and ebbs and flows and stems. Um, it's really interesting working with these people because everybody's got different ideas and coming from different, you know, we've got medical doctors, we've got statisticians, uh, you know, just yeah. all across the board and seeing everybody's input and then actually congealing that into a workable uh, piece of software or, or right. system is Kind of we're starting to work into that step now to actually get a tangible use case um scenario that we can start sharing so we're still early stages but yep. we're we're getting we're getting closer um it's just it's been a lot a lot of work a very very big project absolutely and I, i'll tell you evan that's gonna that's gonna save a lot of people's lives i mean i already uh just thinking about it in my head i mean how you know i'm I've, how me personally you know i'm not in a you know a legal state and, um, you know, even, you know, recently I really haven't been, um, you know, smoking, you know, much cannabis at all, or, you know, ingesting it in any way I have, uh, you know, some CBD, um, some different tinctures and things like that, but, you know, taking different tolerance breaks and whatnot. But, you know, one of my, uh, things that I've always, you know, looked forward to with being in a legal state is really finding like my perfect dose and like finding, you know, working through working with different strains, working with different ways to ingest it. And, you know, building that out into like an optimal, you know, process, like for me personally, because, you know, I've definitely been around cannabis. I mean, literally my whole life since I was like 12 years old. I mean, it's essentially a part of like, I mean, it's been a part of our generation, our culture. I mean, since I've been alive, I mean, I mean, I can't think of a day when it wasn't like somewhere along the way, especially like in sports and whatnot. And you know, I'm a former professional athlete. I mean, it's been it's been there and it's been there for more than just a recreational use. It's been there for, you know, at the time when I probably didn't even know it, you know, for the stress, for the anxiety, for the depression, but you know, you just looked at it as like, you had all this going on in your head and all this pain in your body and you're, but you're just chilling, you know, you weren't like thinking about it as, as much of a, you know, as a tool or as medicine or as, you know, something to help you. But um, you know, as you get older, you know, it's just like what you're just talking about with, you know, lion's mane or basil, or even just, you know, other, um, you know, other or organic herbs, or, um, you know, just other things that grow from the ground and building that kind of database. Cause you know, there's definitely lots of different, you know, books and stuff out there that tell you about different things in your garden and all that. But I think our generation is hungry for something like this, but we're so, um, you know, we're so tied to, especially the one behind us too, to like that instant gratification or that instant like notice, like where they're, you know, if they had this at their disposable, then yeah, because there's definitely a huge interest and a huge shift, I, I believe at least into, you know, more organic living. I mean, even outside of, uh, you know, 
like going, taking business from like a massive scale into like that local market. I mean, even, you know, locals, farmers markets. I mean, these are things I think are getting, you know, more and more, uh, there's, there's definitely more of a need, um, that I see like in our generation and the one behind us. I mean, even like our parents and whatnot, but, um, yeah, I mean, this just really, uh, this makes me feel good about the future because, you know, one of the reasons for this show is just to have these kind of conversations to meet people like yourself, because, you know, I'm going to be, you know, advocating for cannabis on multiple verticals and multiple levels, like as I have been my whole life. But um, it's just so refreshing because, you know, like I was talking about since I was 12, I mean, back in the day, you know, you are when you were sitting down to, you know, break up some some weed with your friends and, you know, smoke. I mean, you were risking a lot and you didn't even really notice it. And then I think that was when your mind opens up a little bit and you're like, wait a second. Like, why? Like, why is the you know worst thing that can happen to me from smoking this is like getting caught with it or going to jail? Like, this is, you know, this makes me this makes me like see the world better. This makes me feel better. Like, you know, I mean, it's just there's lots of different use cases. And then, um, you know, you never see as much of the, this kind, this, this, uh, this view of the culture through this lens of the culture. Cause you know, even some of our biggest advocates out there, like it may be in Hollywood, it's like, they may have done like, you know, more to hurt the cause. Like when you look at, um, Oh, I don't even know his name. Um, Seth Rogen. Right. So let's look at Seth Rogen and, uh, you know, Pineapple Express, you know, it's like people. So a lot of people will see that movie and be like, oh, yeah, Seth Rogen, he's a huge, you know, cannabis advocate. I don't know. I mean, look at that movie. I mean, he portrays a guy that smokes cannabis is in his mid 30s and, you know, serves or, uh, you know, serves, um, you know, serves people and he's dating a girl in high school. I'm like, I mean, I don't know how that's good for the culture. Right. Like it was kind of funny, but I'm just like, I don't know. Right. But, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I'm sure he's doing a lot more now. I mean, I know he has his own strain and he's, you know, trying to get involved, uh, you know, kind of lobbying a bit, but you know, this, uh, conversations with, you know, people like yourself and people that are, you know, doing things like this, like seed to health. I mean, this is something that should be on Oprah, you know, I mean, this, this <laughs> needs to be out there. People need to start hearing about, you know, what, uh, people in this industry, you know, are doing, um, beyond just like what you might, you know, hear from your politicians or whatnot that, you know, it's a bunch of like greedy businessmen when like, yeah, those people are out there, but like, you know, the caregivers, the cultivators, you know, the medicine men, the medicine women, you know, this is, this is a plant that has been being used for thousands of years. I mean, this is a plant that's been grown in this country before we even, you know, before like we were even here, you know? So, um, man, this has been uh, an incredible conversation. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, really, that's about what I got, um, you know, from different question perspectives, you know, if you have anything, um, you'd like to, uh, you know, share, um, yourself or anything you'd like to plug any, any, any more, uh, projects that are coming up or events, things we should, you know, let our viewers know about, um, or stuff that, you know, I can share in the future, man, please, uh, please, uh, let us hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, um, you know, just, just, I'm going to reiterate it just to, to support, you know, try to get involved in your state and try to support uh, alliances and coalitions that are, are trying to protect your medical programs. Um, we really, really have to fight at an individual level for that uh, just because of the way it's unregulated and, and states are left wide open. Um, it's, it's an easy target for, um, for big uh, conglomerate companies to come in and their, their goal is to take over market share for the bottom line. And unfortunately, that market share is the medical market because we're the ones that created the market. Right. So 
you really got to get out there, support, um, at least with donations um, and try to get involved writing to your senators and, and representatives. Um, and then second from Seed to Health, we're, uh, we're about at the point where we're going to start needing help um, and funding donations um, to start to build out the software and um, get the website up and going. Um, and just kind of the administrative stuff that, that um, we just absolutely need help for. So yeah, I'd say in the next month or so, we should have a, a pretty viable website that, that you can actually see what we're doing and, and hopefully reach out and donate. We'd appreciate that. Absolutely. And you can uh, definitely count on me and, uh, you know, a few of my friends have helped me out on this show. You know, one of those being, you know, Dr. B, I'm sure he's listening. That's my boy, Reed, um, who, if you've listened to the show, he's been on here, you know, a traditional market veteran, if you will. Um, but, you know, he's also a huge advocate, you know, has, uh, you know, has really grown um, with this, uh, with this industry as well. And uh, some other guys we had on this show too, um, that uh, one is Andrew Morris. Um, he's out of uh, Columbus, Ohio, you know, now works for a Buckeye Relief. Uh, it's a medical, um, medical dispensary there in, in Columbus, but it's, uh, it's been a great conversation, man. This is, uh, I'm so happy, uh, you know, I got to meet you, got to spend some time, you know, 1000% you know, we will be supporting Seed to Health. Um, I cannot wait to, uh, you know, see how that grows and uh, what's, what's the come of it. Because like I said, I mean, that is going to, uh, I think it's going to save a lot of people's lives. And, uh, you know, I'm really uh, grateful for uh, people like you, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. I, I really appreciate the, the, um, the chance to come out and talk to you. And um, let's, uh, let's stay in touch in the future. Absolutely. Will do. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. And next up here on the weather report, it's just me today, folks, and I am reporting live from my bleeding portfolio. But this is crypto, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bitcoin. These things happen. These swings happen. There's bull markets and there's bear markets. When the market's going sideways, I'll tell you what, it is the best time to lean in and to learn. It is the best time to build. It is the best time to maybe get a new hobby, maybe to go outside maybe to work out. But I'll tell you one thing, it is the best time to listen to me on the Stash It or Pass It podcast. No, but really folks, just sitting here going through the uh, portfolio real quick. Bitcoin's market cap currently a little bit above $800 billion. So it is down. It was over a trillion dollars there for a little bit. We were riding extra high, but fear not, my friends. This is an accumulation phase. When Bitcoin was at 69,000, an all-time high, People were saying, oh, wow, I can't wait. Or I wish I would have bought in earlier. I wish I would have bought in sooner. Well, my friends, that time may be here. I would definitely turn your notifications on, turn your alerts on, and keep an eye on it. Again, like I said, this is never, this is not financial advice. We are on a journey. We are learning. We are having fun and we are having a good time, my friends. Like I said, I'm drinking some fine wine right now. Is it wine or is it just the bleeding hearts of? All my past lives just bleeding and bleeding straight out of my portfolio. I don't know. And I don't know what I just said there, but I'm drinking this fine wine. It tastes pretty good. It's not really fine wine. I think it was like a $30 bottle, but hey, we're still having a good time, right? So just to dive into this uh, portfolio a bit, like I said, Bitcoin trading right under $43,000 right now. Whoa. And it is January 6th, 7.53 p.m. Ethereum. Getting close to 3000 there as well. It's trading at about $3,300 with a $400 billion market cap. 
Solana, one that we like to talk a lot about. Solana coming in with a $45 billion market cap, under $150 right now. And I'll tell you what, my friends, that is one that I bought a little bit more. I bought that dippity dippity dipperoo. And another one that we love to talk about on here, and that is the moon. And what do we always say, folks? We learned it from our friend Brandon Boyd. I be unscripted on Twitter. He is a incredible follow, but you never bet against the moon, my friends. So Luna currently trading at $76. It's at about a $27 billion market cap. And that is another one. We grabbed up some more Luna and we are having some fun, my friends. But I also wanted to let everybody know about some smaller coins, some things I'm playing with. You know, we always talk about the metaverse, e-gaming, different projects going on. So really excited to share that with everyone as well. So to dive into that, let's take a look. All right, folks. And just to give you a little update, like I said, I have been using some different DeFi protocols to make passive income on my crypto, on my Bitcoin, on my Solana, on my Ethereum. And I've also started to buy up some smaller coins on some smaller projects and whatnot. And uh, I'm using a new app, a new exchange called OKCoin, O-K-C-O-I-N. And what's really cool about this exchange, it has some incredible you know, content, things to learn, but it also gives you the ability to earn passive income, just like Voyager does, but in a much different way, much more transparent way, where you basically have the ability to buy these cryptos and then stake them through this exchange and it will tell you where it's staking them on what DeFi protocol and exactly how you are earning these rewards and then how they are returned back into your funding account so just to give you an example you know i have started to buy some of these smaller coins now you can't necessarily stake all of them but they do have some very high yields and some very high returns for uh, some very cool projects out there one in particularly is the miami coin that we just talked about and another is the stacks coin so that's stx and uh just like what we said where miami coin is built on the stx network you can also stake your stx coins which are trading for about two dollars and you receive bitcoin rewards for those as well but uh some of the smaller coins that i have started uh buying up in regards to the metaverse and the e-gaming that we've been talking about one of those is ng coin and that is the enj now what is that the ng coin is the native token of the ng network a social gaming platform designed to make using non-fungible tokens nfts very easy ng is an erc token so it's built on ethereum built on top of ethereum the idea is simple by minting an nft ng holders lock tokens in the asset if or when the nft is melted away they get their coins back. There is a maximum supply of 1 billion NG coins, which will decrease the more NFTs are minted. Now, so the more NFTs that are minted on this network and social gaming app, you know, the more these coins are worth. Now, this is a, you know, a metaverse, an e-gaming play. You know, it's uh, it's down uh, quite a bit um, right now. While while everything else has been down, it's actually currently up. It's trading at about two dollars and fifty cents, but it's down quite a bit from its all time highs. And I've uh, been learning more about it and um, seeing it more around, and uh, it's picking up some steam. So uh, definitely excited to uh, see where that goes. I've been filling those bags, 
you know, another one that, you know, we talk about a lot, Decentraland, and that is the mana token. It's actually up about 11% at $3.27. And uh, we've talked, you know, plenty about mana. Mana is the native token for Decentraland, where you can go on to this metaverse platform. You can buy land using your mana. You can buy NFTs using your mana, things for your avatar and whatnot, but excited to see where that goes. That is one of the largest metaverse plays in terms of market cap. And uh, right now, while uh, the market is down, we uh, overall, we are seeing you know some strength in the uh, metaverse and e-gaming tokens. Another one that I just bought as well is the Gala token, and that is the G-A-L-A. Now, what is that? Gala is the token of Gala Games, a blockchain gaming platform. Gala Games offers a selection of blockchain games allowing players to own game artifacts as NFTs and take part in the game's governance. Its first game, Townstar and NFT series, Vox, V-O-X, have already been released with more coming shortly. Users who secure the network by running Gala nodes are rewarded with Gala tokens and NFTs. Now, essentially, Gala Games, it's a huge blockchain gaming network, and they're only getting bigger. They're starting to grow. And uh, and essentially what this does is it gives players the ability to play and create their own game, and it's going to get bigger and bigger. They have uh, a pretty nice... Uh, pretty nice team that's working on this it's trading at about 37 cents right now you know that's another one that uh you know we definitely packed up some bags there and uh, looking forward to seeing where that goes another one that i'm actually very excited about this is one that also marcus moles you know talked a bit about and that is the star atlas token now if you want to see something pretty cool go check out their website now this is another metaverse game that's being built but uh pretty sweet looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and it looks like this is only the beginning. Obviously, it's going to be much more than a game, but this is going to be a little metaversal reality. It is uh, currently trading at about $0.10. Cents. Now, what is Atlas? Atlas is the native currency of the game Star Atlas. Star Atlas is a multiplayer metaverse video game built on the Solana blockchain. Set in 2620, the universe of Star Atlas opposes three factions fighting for the control of planetary resources players can earn atlas by mining or selling artifacts and can use it to buy ships lands ships land space stations go on missions and more now again i've been on their website it looks pretty sweet it's uh very cool graphics from there but uh this like little metaversal reality and the future that they're going to be building uh, looks pretty cool and uh, excited to see where that goes as well. Another token that I just started picking up, like I said earlier, is Stacks. Now, what is Stacks? STX is the token of Stacks, previously Block Stacks. But what Stacks is, is a blockchain solution designed to build decentralized apps and smart contracts on top of Bitcoin. Stacks aims to facilitate development by providing decentralized storage authentication features now just like sovereign is a layer two of bitcoin with smart contracts stacks is essentially a competitor to sovereign now when we were talking about with the miami coin miami coin is built on stacks and then stacks is built on bitcoin and then on this app you it gives you the ability to stake your stacks and be rewarded 
in Bitcoin. Now that is a DeFi uh, protocol there where it is taking my stacks, taking them to the stacks network and then staking them. So a lot of uh, S's going on there, a lot of stakes and stacks and uh, ribbity ribbity racks. But just wanted to inform everybody, it's a very, very cool app. And uh, I'm looking forward to making a lot of money on it, folks. And again, it's a, still an accumulation phase. Are we entering a bear market? I have no idea. Is the bull market over? I have no idea. What do I know? I know that I have the ability to keep learning, to keep questioning, to keep accumulating. And uh, again, folks, I believe in this stuff. We are in the fourth industrial revolution and I'm here for it, baby. Buy the fucking dip. Stash it. And this week on the Culture Report, like I said, I wanted to do a quick reading. And this is another reading from one of my favorite books, Discipline Equals Freedom. It is the field manual from my friend Jocko Willink. And it's one of my favorites of all time. And uh, today we are on page 76. And, you know, that is my former number at The Ohio State. So I felt very attached to it, felt drawn to it, and uh, wanted to share it with everybody. And uh, on this page was a reading from Jocko, and this is called The Darkness. The sun doesn't shine every day. The storms will come. There are times when the nights will be long and dark, and you will be alone. There will be times when the darkness seems to consume everything, but don't let it consume you. Don't let it consume you. Even in the darkest times, even in the strongest storms, even when the sun is blotted out and the world is falling apart, the darkness cannot extinguish your light. You, your will, your determination, no matter what is happening, no matter how hard the fight is, as long as you keep fighting, you win. Only surrender is defeat. Only quitting is the end. Because the darkness only wins if you let it. Do not let the darkness win. Fight. Fight on. The fight against the darkness is to win. Fight on, my friends. Stash it. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for being here. Another week on the Stasseter Passive Podcast. But before we close, I just wanted to give a special shout out to the love of my life, Kelsey Aida, and her newest book that is set to drop in Barnes and Nobles nationwide on January 11th. The final countdown is here, folks. It will be out in five days. But as of right now, her new book, Letters to the Universe, you can find the link down in the show notes, is trending in the top 10 new thought books on Amazon amongst some of the best authors in the, in the space. So this is a huge accomplishment for my love, Kelsey, and I'm so proud of her. And I just wanted to give that special shout out. And just remember, folks, for us to give the most love and to express the most love. We have to remember to love ourselves. You got to look in the in the mirror and you got to love that person. It will allow you to give so much more love out and to allow yourself to be loved by others. You got to stop judging yourself so much. So we stop judging each other so much. We got to come together and we got to be one because 
We are here to help each other. I give that which I want to receive, and I want to receive love. I want to receive wealth. I want to receive friends, family, fortune. I want it all, folks, and I want you to have all that as well. So every day I wake up and I go full throttle, 100% all the way, and we're never going to give up. We're never going to surrender, folks. 2022 is going to be the greatest year of your life, baby. Stash it.